2017, we um, published the Government Transformation Strategy, um, and that's where we said we'd build the most digitally skilled population of civil servants in the world. Um, so we've been really guided by establishing principles about how we can best organise digital data and technology in departments. Um, so we really focused on growing the digital data and technology, so what we call DDAT, um, profession in government. Um, so including consistent career paths and reward structures, um, and today we've mapped something like 38 roles to this framework, all the way from um, IT operations to product management, so the different scale and complexities of digital data technology professions you have within this. Hello and welcome to the podcast, episode 28. So this week we welcome Natasha Barnborough to the show, who's the Senior Strategy Advisor at Government Digital Service. So GDS offer lots of different services. They're a team within the, ca- the Cabinet Office, which are tasked at transforming Government Digital Services. So they're responsible for Gov.uk, and they make sure that people can sign into Government Services safely and easily. Uh, they choose the right technology for the government, improve the way the government buys digital services, lots of different things. So Natasha's worked there for almost six years. So we talk about her different roles there um, and her current role, uh, as well as some of the projects she's worked on. So she's um, been part of the Government Technology Innovation Strategy, Emerging Technology Development Programme, as well as the GDS Academy. So when we talk about the Academy, we talk about the skills gap in the tech industry and how that is a a huge problem and whether the government are really passionate about growing their own talent or maybe headhunting from the private sector. Uh, We talk about new and emerging technologies, um, how technologies have impacted past, present and future government services. Uh, So a really great episode. Um, Natasha's a lovely lady and she's really, really experienced in this field. So she offers some really fantastic insights hope you enjoy the show as always let us know your thoughts using hashtag the botcast on any of our social channels and without further ado over to the show hey natasha thank you so much for being a guest on the botcast thank you for having me it's an absolute pleasure how are you i'm good thank you yeah really good good um has it been really sunny in london it's been really really hot here it's been, uh, last week was sweltering, I think on the weekend it was like something like 33 degrees, but this week's a little bit cooler, so it's uh, definitely a little bit nicer. Yeah, I can imagine, because with the tubes and things in London, it's a bit it's really hot. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So for our listeners that maybe don't know you, um, would you like to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do for Government Digital Service? Absolutely. Um, so I'm Natasha. Um, I've been at the Government Digital Service for almost six years coming up in January, which is uh, quite crazy when I think about it and actually say it out loud. Um, I've had um, a few kind of moves around internally in GDS, the Government Digital Service, um, you know, starting off my career here on the Gov.uk programme, um, so that's a single domain for um, government content and services. Um, originally joined the organisation as an assistant, um, and then really kind of got to grips with kind of how the program's working. And this is, you know, in that kind of disruptive phase of government, um, the kind of onset of GDS and its inception, um, and then moving to the policy space. So looking at um, Gov.uk policy specifically, but how we're also working with the thousands and thousands of people that work with Gov.uk across government. Um, and then most recently for over the past year, working in the central strategy team, looking at the future of digital public services. That sounds like such a cool job. 
it's pretty amazing. There's been some there's been some real highs. You get to work with such amazing, intelligent people from across government, but also on just like the most complex problems that you probably will ever be faced with in, in you know working in government. You are working on um, such scale and complexity, um, and also having to deal with ambiguity. It's a, a challenge like nowhere else. Yeah, I imagine it holds so much opportunity. But yeah, there's a lot of um, of legacy systems, I guess, that is quite challenging to, to change to change in a in a short space of time. So I'd love. Oh to, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to take a little look at um sort of a past, a present, and a future look. Like you just said, over the past year, you're working on certain things, and you've worked there for the past six years. So can you give us a little snapshot of how tech has been used, say, maybe six years ago, how it's being used now, and how you see it being used in the future for GDS? Yeah, of course. So, I, you know, I'm going to, um, GDS, we um, lead the digital data and technology function across government. Um, so its membership is approximately about 17,000 civil servants across the UK. Um, so it really it makes GDS like in, you know, at the heart and at a unique position of being able to utilise um, the expertise and also share best practice of what's happening across that function. So you get to kind of share the wonderful and brilliant work that's happening across government. Um, but beyond that, it's, you know, it's really important to make sure that whatever technology we use um, continues and always will meet user needs. Um, so GDS was built on meeting, meeting user needs and will continue to do this irrespective of whatever technology. Um, so there's lots of exciting stuff and experimentation happening across government, but um, you know, government is large and complex. And so when, whenever we're thinking about new and future technology, and we have to be quite strategic about its implementation because um, you know ultimately it has to be able to scale across government and um, so it's quite hard to kind of give a blanket answer but i think as long as we're meeting those principles and continuing to meet user needs we'll always do the right thing yeah definitely is there any sort of standout technology that you could say has had maybe the biggest impact so far um yeah so um i can talk a little bit about um the AI guide that we um, recently published, um, which I can talk you through, which kind of just um, talks a little bit about the opportunities there. So, um, um, part of um, so when we were coming putting on together the government technology innovation strategy, part of the engagement formed a cross government AI review, so um, artificial intelligence. Um, this was jointly led by GDS and the Office for AI. Um, and so this review had two main outputs. Um, so to provide an overview of the opportunities and challenges of using AI and how best to meet the user need, which now sits within the government technology innovation strategy, um, but also how to implement AI ethically, fair, um, fairly um, and safely. And you know, um, as a result of this, we published the first ever guide to using AI in the public sector. Um, and so the guide and the strategy are published on Gov.uk. UK. Um, and, we, you know, there's a few um, examples there of how we can use, um, for example, machine learning to be able to kind of go through vast amounts of data. Um, and we've been using it on Gov.uk um, to not only to kind of structure um, content, so approximately 350,000 plus K pages into a taxonomy, not only to improve word search, but also to future-proof government content to emerging technologies. So, for example, voice and wearables. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds like a lot of, of work and a lot of things to bring together. Um, yeah, it was a, a really interesting and complex challenge and really um, just to kind of utilise the data science expertise that we have in, in the building to be able to kind of structure and go through lots of different um, data sets to be able to um, 
you know, structure all of government's content into a taxonomy. So it was a, a really great challenge of, and, you know, really provided a great um, case study for how you can do kind of cross-discipline working um, and how you can take like things like data science and be able to kind of, um, you know, um, structure all of government's content and data, which we were finding to be quite a, um, a massive task, to say the least, you know, having to go through 350,000 pages of content plus content. Yeah, I can imagine a huge, huge challenge, but huge opportunity once you have. Um, so I know that in 2017, you sort of set a vision, if you like, of creating one of the most digitally skilled populations of civil servants in the world. So um, yeah, a little bit more about how you're planning to accomplish this. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the, in 2017, we um, published the Government Transformation Strategy, um, and that's where we said we'd build the most digitally skilled population of civil servants in the world. Um, so we've been really guided by establishing principles about how we can best organise digital data and technology in departments. Um, so we've really focused on growing digital data and technology, so what we call DDAT, um, profession in government. Um, so including consistent career paths and reward structures. Um, and to date, we've mapped something like 38 roles to this framework, all the way from um, IT operations to product management. So the different scale and complexities of digital data technology professions you have within this. Um, we focused on building the best possible learning environment, um, and sort of learning and development opportunities for DDAP professionals through the Digital Academy. Um, building government's data science capability through the data science campus and data science accelerator training programs. These are both kind of um, courses and opportunities that are open to civil servants to be able to kind of upskill themselves in this space. Um, we've also focused on making government a leader and attracting a diverse workforce for digital data and technology roles. Um, we've worked closely with um, the civil service HR department. Uh, to make sure that digital tools and techniques are embedded in other professions. So, for example, uh, championing user-centered design for policy professions, so something that's not always traditionally associated with one another. Um, so making sure that we're continuing to put the users um, and the best outcome for users at the heart of policy making. Um, we've also been supporting non-digital specialists in understanding the pet potential um, of new ways of working. So um, really incorporating sort of agile ways of working within um, different disciplines across government. Uh, we've also been working with civil service learning to make sure that uh, current and future leaders have the right training and experience to manage digital projects effectively. Um, and finally, we've been, you know, increasing collaboration between policy and service design communities. So, um, really championing that user-centered design um, aesthetic. That all sounds so interesting. You're working on such, um, yeah, like interesting and and innovative projects. It'll be really, really great to see see what comes of that over the next sort of five, ten years. I think. Mm -hmm. So, what stage would you say you're currently at in within digital transformation in the government? Um, so this is actually a really difficult question to answer and I think something you know we've uh, kind of continually bring ourselves back to and there's no real blanket measure for digital transformation across government. Um, I've already alluded to kind of the complexity and scale of government which spans all the way from central to local and then you've got to think about health um, so it really makes it quite difficult to think about at what stage is government in its digital transformation. Um, and like government as a whole has varying scales of maturity and it's based by different pressures. Um, but since its inception, GDS has been at the forefront of the digital transformation of government, um, developing digital products, 
ensuring um, standards, guidance, training and support um, that has seen the UK recognised internationally as world leaders in digital government. Um, substantial progress has been made since then and the role of GDS has changed. Um, it's adapted to reflect the advancement of you know, digital transformation in government. I guess that's kind of a little bit of a cough out because it's a little bit difficult to kind of give like a blanket answer, but we're definitely making progress towards bringing the rest of government along with the digital transformation journey that we're trying to champion. No, I totally understand. It's, it's a huge question. And like you said, there's so many areas. It's, it's almost impossible to answer. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a complex one. I know that something that GDS are really focused on, though, is redefining job roles. I'd love to know a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, I spoke a little bit about this earlier. So it's, it's really about mapping. Um, so as I mentioned, it's mapping those sort of like 38 or so job roles to the DDAP framework. And this is, you know, it's been widely adopted across government. It sort of sets the scale and um, a baseline for what um, good looks like in those spaces. And, you know, it's currently mapped to the DDAP, the digital data and technology roles. Um, but, you know, we are thinking about how we perhaps scale this out to, you know, other policy professions and how we're kind of doing this consistently across um, across the board. Um, and a lot of um, what I spoke about earlier, uh, particularly on, you know, what we're doing to kind of bring the rest of the civil service um, and kind of grow talent internally alongside that is uh, a lot of, uh, you know, been a lot of our focus in that space. So is this where the GDS Academy comes in? Uh, it's part of the equation, absolutely. It, you know, it provides the opportunity to be able to kind of do that as, a, as an actual platform. Um, but the GDS Academy started um, five years ago in a room above the Job Centre in Fulham. Um, so it's definitely, had, it's definitely matured since then. Um, it now runs from four permanent locations, um, as well as um, pop-ups around the UK. We also kind of deliver some bespoke courses. So, for example, government departments. Uh, may come to us with a problem in terms of, uh, you know, we really need to kind of skill um, our workforce in X or Y, or, you know, we can kind of go away with that and develop some kind of bespoke um, course material and deliver that for them. Um, but it's really to kind of give all public servants uh, the skills and capability they need to be able to transform public services. Um, and to date, the Academy has trained over 10,000 people so far in courses, including uh, the Digital and Agile Foundation course. Um, an introduction to artificial intelligence in government. So you can kind of see there's a real scale there of kind of training people all the way kind of almost from the foundation you need to be able to deliver public, uh, digital public transformation all the way to kind of understanding how you can utilize emerging technologies. Um, and so last October, we started running uh, the GDS Academy masterclasses, uh, which are taught by world leading academies and industry experts. So it's definitely matured since its early beginnings in um, Fulham. That's really exciting because obviously the skills gap is something that's talked about very often in the tax. Mm -hmm. So um, is kind of growing your own talent in a way, is that something that's really important to the government or do you headhunt from private sector? How does it kind of work? Oh, absolutely. Um, um, so for example, a developer appeared with academic experts. Um, and it's aimed at those who want to develop their skills in emerging technologies and help solve some of government's uh, most complex challenges. So that's kind of one of the examples where we're kind of tackling growing, um, you know, our in-house talent. Um, and, you know, that's currently in its first phase and the programme is looking forward to kind of learning more about how it can equip civil servants with the skills, knowledge and confidence to act as specialist practitioners 
in emerging technologies to build organizations and governments. Um, and more to your point about growing your own talent, um, we're absolutely passionate about this. And uh, you know, we're currently targeting uh, talent in school leavers by offering apprenticeships um, beyond kind of the, the kind of um, 10 week program that I explained to kind of in-house civil servants. And of course, we want to continue to attract the best talent to work on some of government's hardest um, and most complex problems. We've improved our incentive structure and updated our pay, uh, our pay scale to better reflect the market rate. Um, the open innovation team who sit in the cabinet office work with universities to offer placements to PhD students. Um, but I think most importantly, it's not only just about kind of attracting talent from uh, the private sector, but it's about kind of attracting the best talent from all sectors. Um, and that's some of the things that we're really tackling with. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is, it's a challenge across the board, isn't it? Especially within local authorities, I think, and, and the government as a whole. So yeah, that's mm. really focusing on growing your own talent, especially with some of the programmes you, you hold. They all sound really, like, really great. So yeah, and, and some of the things that I was talking about earlier on, it's, it's an opportunity to really work on some of probably the most complex challenges you ever will um, and really work at a scale that will you know you'll probably never ever face it anywhere else in, in your career. Yeah absolutely so what technologies um, would you say are currently impacting the government most? Um, so really at GDS we take um, a technology agnostic view and so um, as I've kind of spoken about a little bit earlier it's really about driving the best outcome for the citizen and ensuring we continue to meet those user needs. So emerging or emerged technologies can help and it's one of the ways to deliver a service but it's important to take a strategic approach um, and ensure it's the right solution for the problem we're trying to solve. Um, and as I kind of spoke a little bit earlier on, the AI guide has highlighted the applications of using um, things like machine learning to detect fraud and the ability to sort through masses of data, but it also kind of highlights some of the kind of uh, case studies and opportunity to use um, AI. So even though there's not um, sort of like a whole bunch of technologies impacting government, I think it's government's response to those technologies and how we drive the right outcome for the user. Yeah, so, so things like AI, machine learning, chatbots, um, voice technologies, also obviously a big one, and data captures, a huge one. How do you see yeah. that transforming the way governments operate maybe over the next, say, five to ten years? Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, they, these are all really, really exciting technologies and, you know, somewhat um, promising for their applications about how we can kind of drive productivity and efficiency and the right outcomes for users. Um, but it's really important not to kind of get caught into what we call the hype curve or what everyone calls the hype curve. Um, but we just, you know, want to make sure that the use of these technologies meet those user needs. Um, but, you know, government is already kind of um, playing around with uh, machine learning. Um, so, for example, um, we've already equipped over 12,000 pieces of um, government information to be able to be read by voice assistants like Alexa. So, for example, you can now ask Alexa, hey, Alexa, when is the next bank holiday? Or, hey, Alexa, when is the national minimum wage? And some of the work that I described earlier around how we've been able to structure government content to make them future-proof to those technologies enables that to happen. Um, and so I think government, government will have a responsibility to have to respond to the rising expectations of users and how that interacts with technology. Um, but it's hard to say kind of what, 
what one specifically will will affect um, government. But we are definitely seeing a move towards how you um, perhaps use things like voice and uh, wearables to be able to access that information. Yeah, voice is a huge one. Obviously, in, in places such as contact centres, but also people just being able to to get information at the fingertips right from home, you know, and, and that. A, a, a way we see that a lot is vulnerable members of society you know they just got that <laughs> point from wherever they are which is um, exactly people just want to be able to consume information in a way that's convenient to them and we're definitely seeing that shift in how people are accessing um, government content and information and services so uh, gov.uk was always designed for mobile first and um, so we you know mobile was the kind of first wave of how people are accessing that and now we're seeing a switch to people you know um, accessing um, services and information from uh, their kind of um, in-house devices um, so it's definitely kind of going towards that way and I think that's not only really, that's not you know unique to government that's definitely across across the board. Yeah absolutely um, so something like I said to you um, before that we usually ask our guests at the end of each episode is what tool or app could you simply not live without we've changed a little bit slightly i mean you'll feel free to answer that question totally because it'd be interesting to know but we'd also like to sort of get any recommendations from our guests because the podcast has over the past sort of four months really merged into a, a public sector specific podcast where we want to share as much mm-hmm. as we can about digital transformation and the challenges and the, the tech opportunities so it'd also be great to get any recommendations from you of, of where you gain a lot of information and insight about digital transformation in the public sector specifically? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'll answer the first question. So all of the all of the kind of talk about um, devices and voice. I, to be fair, I don't think I could live without my Alexa. She sets my alarm every day, wakes me up, um, and I also quite listen like listening to rain sounds when I fall asleep, and she kind of does that. So I think it's definitely become synonymous with my lifestyle now so that's great uh, so definitely couldn't live without my Alexa um, but to kind of your point more broadly around um, recommendations um, I think whenever you're kind of devising strategy and whenever you're thinking about government I think you can't think about it in isolation so often um, I look to information from the kind of broader sectors and across industries so I often look to telcos and what's happening there and look to kind of what places like Amazon and Google are already doing in that space because they're you know often considered the thought leaders in that space and I think you often have to look to them to kind of see where they're setting pace and change so I often read things like Wired um, kind of you know every morning I get it delivered to my inbox but I think to your point around uh, public sector specifically I quite enjoy reading the digital leaders blog um, I kind of get their day, daily um, digest and that really talks about great digital transformation across the board so not only in central government but local government and local authorities because there's some great pockets of activity happening um, and so it's really really nice to kind of read about how how kind of local authorities are often pressured with um, budget constraints and resourcing constraints are able to kind of utilize um, new emerging technologies to be able to kind of deliver better outcomes for their citizens so I often find that quite inspiring, but I often look at it across the board. So not only what's happening in broader industry, but how is that kind of translated to the government context? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great recommendation. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'll put a link to that in the bio as well, so all of our followers can access it easily. Um, Natasha, thank great. you for taking the time to talk to us. It's been great speaking to you.
And no problem at all. Thank you for having me on the on the podcast. You're very welcome. I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Natasha. Like I said before the show, please let us know your thoughts using hashtag the podcast. Your ratings and reviews mean a lot to us. So if you do enjoy these episodes, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review or a rating. Until next week, have a good one.